Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman, pleased to be joined by former Raider great Stanford Ralph. Stan, you're the defensive backs coach for St. Thomas High School there in Houston. You started fall practice on Monday last year. You guys went 7-3, and three, and unfortunately you lost in the second round of the playoffs. Let me ask you this. Do the kids care, or does it carry any weight that you're an ex-NFL player? Oh, yeah, it definitely carries a good amount of weight with them. Uh, They come up and ask me some of the most off-the-wall questions. Like I said, who's the best player I've ever played against? Uh, What's it like in practices or in the meetings? Things like that. What's the craziest thing a fan has ever said to me? Uh, Has a female ever slid my DMs or something like that? I'm like, guys, like we didn't even have DMs or or things like that back when I was playing. So, no, trust me, it's definitely fun to be around them. Uh, Obviously, that gives me an extra bit of a level of credibility around them because of that but uh nonetheless like i said i i love being around them they're fun to be around it keeps me young and it teaches me it teaches me a lot about patience how to go ahead and try to communicate and convey my point to this younger generation because it definitely is vastly different than talking to another adult and especially with this newfound generation because these kids are they're too smart for their own good because you tell them something they can easily go and fact check with google everything like that just right there at their fingertips smartphone so it definitely has taught me a lot of how to interact with them and how to reach them how's the team looking heading into this season oh it's still early this is our first week of camp we got our first scrimmage i believe it's next week and then one the week right after that and then we start our first game of the season which will be the weekend before labor day weekend so it's still early but so far i know we got a lot of talent we got a lot of depth it's just a matter of putting it all together and actually going ahead and uh, getting over the hump this year and actually getting that state championship well high school football kicks off just right around the corner and the nfl preseason is officially underway and if you're into sports betting bet online is where you should go to win money today the nba finals just wrapped up but next year's odds are already posted lakers nets bucks and warriors the favorites to win it all i'm a warriors fan and not sure how they're one of the favorites right now i see them as a middle of the pack contender just in the western conference alone certainly not a title contender if you're a football better, there are tons of futures and props you can wager on as well. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Stan, you just got home after attending the Raider alumni celebration at the team's headquarters in Henderson, Nevada. How was it? Oh, it was so great to be around a lot of guys that I have not seen since I stopped playing or it's just been a number of years. It was great to actually go to the Raiders training facility. It made me feel so jealous compared to what we had to have back out there in Alameda in my years playing. But nonetheless, like I said, it's all a part of growth. It's all a part of just the process of how everything enhances itself. Everything just goes and it just gets better as we can see from the way stadiums used to be to now the way they look right now. It's just the theory of evolution. It was interesting to watch practice from the sideline and not from actually being a part of practice. That was interesting as well. But all in all, I think it was a great time, great experience. Me actually being around Mark Davis, a lot of the coaches, my former teammates, people like that. And just obviously now seeing the Raiders, that black and silver uniform, actually in the desert in Las Vegas, Nevada, and not the Bay Area, Oakland, California, that was definitely different. And it took some, uh, definitely took some getting used to. Who were some of the alumni that were there that you spoke with? Oh, man. Uh, I can, that's too many to count. Let me see. Barry Sims. Let me see. We had uh, Lester Hayes was there. It was uh, my man, Fabian Washington. We came out in the same draft class together. Courtney Anderson. It was, let me see, Chris Johnson, Hiram Eugene. Uh, let me think here. It was Marcel Reese. It was so many that I can go ahead and it's I'm, it's so, so many I'm actually forgetting Justin Fargus, man, like so many guys that I play with Doug Gabriel, <laughs> like uh, I'm, I'm just just naming off people that uh that I can remember that I actually had conversations with so many people and it was definitely a fun experience definitely can't wait to do it again next year and that's one thing that I do regret is that so far after I stopped playing, this is my first time going to a Raider celebration for training camp, just because for uh, the previous years, I was coaching high school ball and I didn't have a chance to make it out. Lester Hayes, great Raider corner. I mean, we had 13 interceptions in 1980, the year the Raiders won yeah. the Super Bowl to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. What's he up to today, Stan? Did he say? I didn't get a chance to have a deep conversation with him like that, but I just know that he's doing well, still moving around. Let me see. I, uh, let me think here. We had Andrew Glover, another guy, played for the Oakland Raiders, then went to the Minnesota Vikings. He was with them, actually, the year they went 15-1, and lost to the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC title game. But like I said, uh, everybody's doing well. They're in good spirits. Everybody looks lively, healthy. Obviously, we're a little bit older than we once were, but nonetheless – Everybody looks good. Still looks like they can uh, move around a little bit. Looks like they're in somewhat a bit of a shape. So, like I said, uh, that's the main thing is everybody looking healthy and being happy. I know you toured the stadium, Allegiant Stadium, earlier or last year, I should say. What's that practice facility like? How would you describe it? Immaculate. That's probably the first word that comes to mind is it is immaculate. It is maybe... No, 10, 12 minutes from the strip, something like that. They got the indoor practice facility. Obviously, they got beautiful fields, state-of-the-arts type of amenities, things like that. And, you know, it just makes you so jealous and envious when you're like, man, why couldn't I have been born just like maybe about a decade later than I was? That way I could go ahead and experience all of this that, uh, that you now see with the Las Vegas Raiders compared to the Oakland Raiders at the time. But nonetheless, like I said, I'm happy for those guys, and I think the world of them, and I think that they're going to go ahead and they're going to exceed expectations that everybody is placing upon them this year. Stan, I'm curious. I know they have an indoor facility there as well and an outdoor. 
they're practicing outside and they're starting at 7.30 in the morning. Why not just practice later in the day and practice in the indoor facility? I think that you can. I think that you should from time to time. But you got to be out there in those elements. You got to be out there on God's green earth. You got to be out there under the sun, under the rain, under the snow, under the sleet, things like that. Because when you're playing an away game, well, what if all of a sudden you have to go to Miami or Jacksonville or Tampa early on in the season? It's going to be hot out there. Tampa Bay don't have no dome. Jacksonville doesn't have a dome. Miami, I think they have somewhat of a retractable roof, something like that, but you got to get used to the heat no matter what. Now, nothing is going to be that type of dry desert heat that you will have in Las Vegas, but you need to get used to the elements because then all of a sudden when you go to an away game and you have to deal with the elements, then it's going to be a little bit of a shell shock to you. So I'm all for practicing outside. Well, they certainly did battle the elements on the road and they adapted quite well last year going six and two. It was the Issues at home, they went two and six. We'll see if they can turn that around with fans allowed in attendance at home this season. All right, let's go on the field now, Stan. And one of the areas where the Raiders really struggled uh, last year was the offensive red zone. Last year, they ranked eighth in total yards and 10th in points in the NFL and the 434 points where it's most since 2002. But here's the big issue. The Raiders offense ranked 25th third in the league last year scoring a touchdown on just over 54 percent of their trips inside the red zone previous two seasons they were 22nd under Gruden I mean if you look back Stan a lot of their games when they get inside the five yard line they would simply line up in a power formation and try to run it with Josh Jacobs and they were certainly more ineffective than effective doing that I mean even Gruden's been critical of the red zone running game recently you know, and I don't know if that was one of the reasons the team decided to overhaul the offensive line, but here's what one of the holdovers, Richie Incognito, had to say about the lack of success near the goal line. We struggled last year. We struggled last year. Um, you know, it, it was tough. You know, we like to think that we're, we're big, strong beasts up front. We're going to run, you know, the small package of plays. Everybody knows what we're going to run, and we're just going to jam it down their throat. And, uh, you know, we, we still have that mentality, but I think we just got to get a little smarter, mix it up a little bit more, get in the end zone, you know, not just go bang our heads against the wall. Um, I think we got the guys up front. I think we're, we're, we're an athletic group, but I think we're a physical group. You, you see guys, they, they got a little lead in their pencil. They can push guys off the ball. Uh, but I think, you know, go down there, use our athleticism a little bit, block down, pull around, you know, get some creative looks, get some quarterback-driven runs, you know, maybe get Marcus in the game. All right, Stan, Incognito brought up a very interesting point about Marcus Mariota. You know, what do you think about having him in the red zone, a package for him? I could definitely see something like that just because it keeps the defense off balance. You look at how Drew Brees split time with Taysom Hill. I think that now in today's game, it is no longer, oh, my God, there's going to be an actual second quarterback that enters the game and the starter's not hurt. Oh, my God, let's go ahead and make a story out of it. The sky is falling. I don't think that that's as big of an issue as it once was. If you have a gadget guy, you have a guy who's good on the move, somebody you can get out of the pocket, and he can also throw to go ahead and utilize those attributes because why not? Why just have him standing on the sideline with the baseball cap and the clipboard, things like that? I think that if uh, Marcus Mariota can help this team win in areas that it's been lacking over the last couple of years, then why not? Simply because we saw he came into that game on Thursday Night Football 
against the Los Angeles Chargers and played pretty damn well. And if the defense is able to go ahead, get off the field late in the game and late in the first half, they're walking away and they're winning that game and they'll probably be in the playoffs. So I think that if you're John Gruden, you have to go ahead and actually really look at this roster. You got to really look at this team. And because the defense was was very pedestrian, because the defense was anemic last year in certain situations, in big games against the Chiefs, the Dolphins, Saturday night football, and the aforementioned game against the Los Angeles Chargers on Thursday night football, you have to realize I have a pretty potent offense. I got Darren Waller, who's all world. I got Josh Jacobs, who went to the Pro Bowl last year, one of the top running backs in the NFL. I think that it's okay to go ahead and assume and to go ahead and to adopt the mindset that we're probably going to have to go ahead and outscore some people this year. I'm going to have to go ahead and put together a productive season where we actually make it to the playoffs. And if Marcus Mariota putting him in in goal line situations, short yardage situations, things like that can help you do that, then by all means, you have to go ahead, have a talk with Derek Carr, obviously make sure that he understands, hey, we're not trying to bench you. We're just going to go ahead and keep the defense all balanced. By all means, you have to go ahead and do that because you don't want to do a disservice to the fans, disservice to the defense, a disservice to the other offensive players that are trying to punch it in just because you want to make sure to do it your way or you don't want to ruffle feathers with Derek Carr or you don't want to go ahead and adopt this newfound mindset that you see. The New Orleans Saints were doing it for a number of years and were actually very successful doing it. I agree with you about Gruden. It seems like he's been stuck in his ways for uh, the entire time he's returned to the silver and black for his second tenure. Then you look at a guy like Bill Belichick, who seems to adjust week to week with his offensive philosophies. And I, you know, I definitely think the Raiders should be open to a goal line package with Marcus. I mean, we know he's very mobile, Stan. We know he's healthy compared to last year. And perhaps a different look is what this team needs when they get inside the red zone. I mean, during his career, he's rushed for nearly 1500 yards. He scored 12 rushing touchdowns and then, Last year, like you said, when he came off the bench against the Chargers, he rushed for 88 yards in that game and a touchdown as well. Threw for nearly 230 yards, beg your pardon. I mean, he's obviously a dual-threat quarterback, and he gives the defense something else to think about when he's on the field. Spread that defense out. The Raiders say they have a lot of playmakers or weapons on offense. Then let's see them make some plays inside the red zone, stand instead of lining up in that power formation, Maybe one wide receiver, you know, they're going to run it up the middle with Jacobs or perhaps they're going to go play action pass, try to find a running back or a tight end in the end zone. We'll see how it all plays out. But Stan, I think this is interesting also. I know his name came up uh, linked to the Indianapolis Colts after they announced Carson Wentz could miss five to 12 weeks after foot surgery. Stan, I think Mariota is one of the better backups in the league. If you're Mike Mayock, would you trade him? And if you did what would you likely fetch in return if i was mike mayock would i trade marcus mariota you're gonna have to give me a really high draft pick or you're gonna have to give me some sort of a valuable player i'm not saying anybody at the level of aaron donald or no, something right. like that right but you're gonna have to give me a valuable player in return so i would probably let Marcus Mariota go for a starting linebacker, maybe a solid starting corner, maybe something like that. But I wouldn't let him go for the usual rate that a Third backup quarterback goes to, like right. goes for a sixth rounder, fifth yeah. rounder. I would not do that because I, I know Marcus Mariota is valuable to my team. And 
obviously you're in a position of need because Carson Wentz is now on the shelf. So you need my backup quarterback, which means I am not going to let him go for just a bag of chips. So you definitely have to give me a starter in return. Otherwise, you can go ahead, get the hell off my line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Stan, I look at it this from this perspective as well. We don't know how the Raiders' revamped offensive line is going to hold up. What if they can't protect Derek Carr? I want to make sure my backup has experience and can play in this league, and we know Marcus can. And then it's a 17-game season now, Stan. We know it's a war of attrition, let yes. alone with a 16-game season. Now we've added another game. So I think you're going to see more and more backup quarterbacks in this league just because we've added another game. And he's one of the better ones in the league, like I just said. So I don't think under any circumstance, I shouldn't say any circumstance, I think they'd have to be blown away by an offer to move Marcus. And that's exactly why I'm not looking to let him go. All right, Stan, let's move to the other side of the ball now. And on Wednesday, the Raiders signed defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. The 33-year-old didn't play last year after getting injured after suffering a ruptured right quadriceps tendon in training camp with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, McCoy joins a defensive tackle room that includes Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, and Solomon Thomas. And Stan, you know I've been very vocal about the lack of talent on the yes, you have. defensive yes, you have. line. I understand defensive coordinator Gus Bradley likes and wants depth up front. But Stan, the Raiders haven't even played a preseason game. And they're bringing in a guy who's 33, didn't play last year, this tells me there are red flag warnings everywhere in camp, and they are somewhat desperate turning to McCoy. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. I do understand what you mean. Gerald McCoy did not play last year. Obviously, he had that, uh, that injury. He got the injury settlement from the Dallas Cowboys, things like that, obviously. But let's still remember, it's 2011. Gerald McCoy came out in 2010. So he's not 40 years old. Obviously, he's old, an older player, been to six Pro Bowls. So he still clearly has the pedigree of being a first-round pick, a early first-round pick out of Oklahoma, and then turning into a Pro Bowl-level player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a number of years. So he still has the mind. Remember, we got Max Crosby. We got Cleveland Farrell. We got Ngakwe. So you got the bookend guys to go ahead and get after the quarterback. You need somebody in the interior that can go ahead, plug up a few gaps, go ahead, take on a few double teams, things like that. That way the linebackers can go ahead and flow, get to the ball, things of that nature. So you're not looking for Aaron Donald type of play out of this Gerald McCoy signing. You're not looking for that level of play. You're not looking for all pro level of play. You're just looking for somebody who can go in there, get the job done, do the do the dirty things, let the linebackers go ahead and flow, keep them clean. So you can't have any losses from this signing. If he doesn't pan out, you can go ahead, cut him in midseason, something like that. It's probably not going to be a huge cap hit or anything of that nature. So why not go ahead and try? Because then at the very least, he can go ahead and help the young guys along and he could be a mentor to them. Dan, how old were you when you noticed the position that you play? And for somebody who's 33 years old, and I've heard Howie Long describe the defensive line as a car wreck, it, being in a car wreck. Every play. Every single play. Yes. So I just, that's why I'm like, yeah, you could say he might be there mentally, but just the physical toll of playing in the NFL as long as he has. 
Stanford, I mean, we wa- a lot of people watch the game on TV. They don't, they don't go to the games. They don't realize how fast, how big, how strong players are. How would you describe, just give me one play, how would you describe the action from when you played? Give fans, oh, wow. if, you, if you can describe it to fans who are at home who've never been to a game live, how would you describe it? Imagine if you were to go right now and you were to get into a fight, a street fight with anybody, pick somebody. And you were about to get in a street fight for about six seconds. And then all of a sudden, somebody went, came up to both of you, said, okay, stop. Rest for 30 seconds. And then do that again. Six seconds again. Rest for 30 seconds. Then another six seconds of fighting, street fight. Rest for 30 seconds. Then go and do it again. And do that for three hours. And then imagine how you will feel afterwards. For the DBs, it is oftentimes kind of like a track meet because now in today's game, even back towards the later years of when I was playing, teams want to throw the ball. They want to throw the ball more times than they run the ball. So now guess what? You're running with their receiver a lot, a lot, a lot. And, oh, yeah, you can't even really breathe on in the wrong way because they're going to go ahead and throw a flag. So you got you have to, number one, be physically ready to go ahead and get in the game. And then you got to be mentally ready to go ahead and deal with everything else that comes with it of not being able to touch the receiver. And oh yeah, you still have to make sure that you make a play on the ball. Otherwise he may catch it. And if he does catch it, you got to be able to bounce back because the fans, everybody on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that will be in your ear. So you got to be able to go ahead and bounce back as well. So it definitely is an experience playing this game. And don't even get me started on what it's like to be a safety or a running back. To be a running back, you're getting hit every play, whether you're getting tackled, whether you're blocking for the quarterback, you're blocking for a receiver on a reverse, you're hitting somebody every single play. So that's like a car wreck every single play. So no matter what, when you are on that football field, it is some violence going on. It's just a matter of in what way are you delivering the violence? Are you are you absorbing the violence? Things like that. So no matter what, it is a experience to say the least when you're on that field, regardless of what position you play. Well, you talk about the running backs, that almost kind of puts it in perspective of why these running backs usually don't get a second contract. That's yeah, you, why teams are always you know what, Go ahead. You know what, Dennis? I don't want to cut you off, but I'll say this. The biggest thing that a lot of people do not understand, and I'll use a few key guys, a few key names to go ahead and illustrate my point. I remember back when I was a rookie, you had Derek Burgess. Derek Burgess. Sure. Yep. He was a DN for us, just came yep. over from the Philadelphia Eagles when they, yep. when they, yes, when they lost to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl in the 2004 season. Derek Burgess led the league in sacks that year. I believe he had 16. Derek Burgess was our third down pass rush specialist. So he wasn't even a starter at the time. Right. Led the league in sacks. Now, Derek Burgess, about six foot, six one, six two, something in that area, about 240, but he was rocked up. He was as hard as this table that I'm sitting in front of right now. But the thing is, and same thing for like a Vaughn Miller, you look at a Ladanian Tomlinson. And the point what I'm trying to make is. A lot of people will see, oh, Von Miller's only like 240. I could take him. I mean, he's out there balling on the football field, being a future Hall of Famer. Oh, I can do what he does. Or like a Warren Sapp, who's about six foot, not really tall, kind of like an Aaron Donald, who's about 280, 290, something like that. But the difference is, Derek Burgess, Von Miller, they're 240. 
is equal to, and I hate to use this term, but I'm going to go ahead and say it just for lack of a better way to illustrate what I'm trying to say. Their 240 is equal to a civilian man's 300 sure. pounds when it comes Absolutely. to the, the, the strength, the power, things like that. I got a good friend of mine, Chris Houston. He's from Austin, Texas, just like I am. Played for the Lions, yep. played for the uh, played for the Atlanta Falcons, came out in 2007 draft, second round draft pick, played corner. And with him, he's about 5'10", 5'9". He's about maybe 180 on a good day. And he walked up there to the Combine in 2007, Indianapolis, and he did 225. When you are in, everybody that's listening knows about the 225. It's a rep max type of a, type of a drill at the Combine. They want to see how many times you can do 225. Chris Houston, 5'9", 180 on a good day. On a good day, did 225. 27 times oh my goodness 27 times and and still right now has not played in about three four years can still go and do that right now and it's just because he's naturally strong all right final topic stan the athletic has started a list compiling the best 100 players in the history of the nfl now it didn't say what the criteria was and they used this they compiled the list from a panel of football journalists from the athletic they haven't released the full list. I think they just released 46. And the following Raiders are on the list. Center Jim Otto is the first Raider at 97. And then someone near and dear to your heart, cornerback Willie Brown comes in oh, at yes. 90. God rest his soul. Yeah, and then we got another Raider corner at 79. That's Mike Haynes. And, you know, Stan, I remember him and Lester Hayes yes, in the mid-80s. I mean, they had a three-year stretch from probably 83 to 85. There was no better duo in the league than those two. They were so good. Absolutely so good together. Then we got the Mad Stork, Ted Hendricks. He's 77th. You know, great linebacker. Also an exceptional at blocking kicks. And it didn't matter, field goals, extra points. He was also 6'9", so I know that certainly helped. Your former coach and Raider right tackle, Art Shell, is 76th. And then As he should be. Newest member of the... Pro Football Hall of Fame, Charles Woodson, 68. And then Art Shell's running mate on the left side of the Raiders, great offensive line, Gene Upshaw, was 67th. Yeah, God rest his soul. Absolutely. So, I mean, Stan, think about it. They're just published number 46. Who do you think would be the highest-ranked Raider, and where do you think they would come in? I mean, I'm thinking maybe Marcus Allen, perhaps Howie Long. Oh, wow. Uh Man, there's so many great names that have come through that black and silver. I know. Um, like, it, I almost feel disrespectful to just single one out and say he should be the highest because right. it's, it's so many great names. Uh, like as you just said, you know, Howie Long, Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, Charles Woodson, Willie Brown, God rest his soul. Like, it's just, it's, it's so many. I mean, Tim Brown, he's got to oh, be on there somewhere. Right, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like, obviously... Uh, he didn't play long enough, but like in Marcus Allen, obviously he should be on there as well. But like when you think of the Bo Jackson, like Bo Jackson was a monster. Obviously he didn't play long enough. He got hurt. So that's obviously going to probably keep him off the list, but we're just going off just raw talent. He should be on there as well. I could make an argument, say Rich Gannon, but a lot of people would probably push back on that. I think that uh, when you really look at everything in its totality, it's just so many names and, 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 you can bring one up and then somebody be, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Like, it's just so many when you really look at everything. Freddie Blitnikoff, 
Oh, I mean, my he, gosh, another great he has one. an award named after him. He does. <laughs> Super Bowl um, nine MVP for the Raiders. Exactly. So, you know, I think that, uh, man, it, it's so many. So when you ask me who would be the highest ranked Raider of all time on this top 100 list, man, you have like you, you got me literally you, cat has my tongue because <laughs> I can't I cannot go and just single out one greatest player in Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, and now Las Vegas Raiders history because it's just too many. I guess you could say, because I'm partial as a defensive back, Charles Woodson or Willie Brown, but, I mean, it's really, really tough. And I'm pretty sure that, obviously, this is going to – people are going to go ahead and just – people are going to associate him with Minnesota Viking, as they should. I mean, I did play with a guy for two years named Randy Moss. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, they're probably going to more so associate him as a Minnesota Viking sure. than an Oakland Raider, obviously. Right. But, yeah, man, it, it's been so many that, you, uh, that you've either played with, that you've met, that you've just seen their, their names up on the rafters and things like that around the facility. Yeah, I, I really, really feel – like I would be doing a disservice to a lot of the greats if I was to just simply just name one and say, this guy should be the highest ranked. Dan, who's the best player you ever faced or played with, college or pro? Oh, the best player I've ever played with or against, is that what you said? Yeah, in college or pro. I would probably go ahead and say, in college, the best player I played against was Adrian Peterson. I was a senior, he was a rookie at Oklahoma. In the NFL, the best player I ever played against, I would have to say it is a toss-up between Aaron Rodgers and Randy Moss. I would probably say, let's just call it a tie. Um, The best player I ever played with would, hmm. Now, let let me make sure that I say this very, very correctly. Okay. The best player that I ever played with, in a nutshell, in a vacuum, I would probably go with, obviously, Moss, because he was my teammate. But as far as more intimately, more intimately, I would probably have to go with Nandi Asamoah. Now, is he the best player of all time that I played with? No, it's Charles Woodson. Because I only played with Charles for a year, and because that one year he was injured, and obviously that was his last year in Oakland during his first stint, there was so much turmoil between Charles and the organization that I then come to realize later on that that's why Charles was kind of burned out on Oakland, and that's why Oakland was burned out on him. That's why I remember that when he left Oakland, there wasn't even negotiations. There wasn't even a phone call. It was just simply like a breakup, like game is over, season's over, okay, bye. So the majority of my years – in Oakland, California, I played with Namdi Asamoah for about three straight years. Namdi was the best cornerback in the league. I'm seeing him go over there and guard Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, other top guys like that, and the quarterback not even look that way. So for me, that would probably be the best player I ever played with in a vacuum. But if we're talking about historically over a lifetime, uh, obviously that would be Charles Woodson because, I mean, that's Charles Woodson, Heisman Trophy winner, First one ever went on the defense side of the ball in college football history and probably will be that way for a number of years. I still remember the iconic after the uh, after the uh, game against Ohio State where he had the rose in his mouth. Charles went to his first four years in the league, went to the Pro Bowl his first four years, just like what Paul Gutierrez said last week, how 
his first time in Oakland, he had Hall of Fame talent. Green Bay, he became a Hall of Fame player. And then his second stint in Oakland is when he became a true legend. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. So to answer that question, once again, I probably would say in a vacuum, in a small bit of time, best player I ever played with, Nandi Asamoah, and the best player, lifetime achievement, overall resume, you know, legacy, blah, 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 all of that, it would definitely be uh, Charles Woodson. Yeah, Nandi making him a uh, name for himself now on Broadway. He's made he's uh, done quite well in his transition from uh, NFL to... Yes, uh, yes, he has. Yep, so... All right, partner, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Sackler. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.